A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey fam, before this new episode of Last Drinks, why not jump online and order yourself some sparkling tea from budsandbeads.com.au. Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea, where every bubble tells a story. And don't forget to use the code LASTDRINKS20. This will give you 20% off your order. You're welcome. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious Hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Hi, team. Hi. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks and Merry Christmas. Are we allowed to Merry Christmas this early? I know it's the first week of December. Oh, God. Have you put your tree up? Probably not. Um, what can I tell you? I This chat with Georgie is really cool because she kind of – uh, I've been trying to tee this chat up for a while. So Georgie uh, runs Fire and Bloom. She's a sobriety coach. She's got a great little story that she shares on the podcast today, but she's also got some news, um, breaking news. She's also got, yes, yeah, a really exciting announcement that she wanted to share during our podcast chat. So I'll let her do the announcement bit, and then she can tell you all about her last drink. So enjoy this episode with the beautiful Georgie Irvine. Okay, well, Georgie, would you like to start our conversation on this week's episode of Last Drinks by telling me about your last drink or drinks? <laughs> sure, Maz, it was definitely drinks with um, plural S on the end of it. At the time, I actually didn't know it was my last drink, to be honest. I Woke up that next morning um, feeling like crap once again and I decided that I just had enough of waking feeling like that. So what I'd done was I got up, I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time in a very long time and I decided to take some photos of myself and to really call myself out for all the drinking I'd been doing and what it was actually doing to my body. So I didn't actually have that, you know, last drinks, let's celebrate, this is the last time I'm going to drink. It was that next morning that I'd really just decided that that was enough. I'd had enough of my own crap and I no longer wanted to drink and I was going to dabble in a life of sobriety and I was actually going to have a real crack. Um, in saying that, Maz, it was a four-year process of being sober curious and then deciding that, you know, enough was enough. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the story of my last drinks and it's not that exciting but what unfolded afterwards is definitely the exciting part. Before we get to what unfolded afterwards and how exciting that is, I want to know if you are able to try and explain this to me <laughs> because so you said there was like a four-year lead-up to the sober in sober curiosity so that's asking questions about your relationship with alcohol how alcohol is impacting you and your behavior and you sort of start ruminating on 
you know, is this working for me? Why do I keep doing this? Should I maybe change? What was it about that particular morning that made it stick? Because I know when people, and I was definitely in this situation, when people are sober curious, they they give up so many times in a way. Like there's so many mornings where you wake up and you go, I'm never drinking again, or I'm not going to do that again. Like I'm done, but it doesn't stick. Like you end up drinking that afternoon or the next day or the next week. So do you know what it was in particular about that morning that for you was, I guess, that first real step into sobriety and why and how it stuck for you? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I reflect on it often and I don't have an answer for that morning in particular, but I do have an answer for that lead-in. So I think I've said to you, Maz, before when I've communicated with you, I purchased your first book, The Social Rebellion, back in 2019. Um, And it was early January 2019. I remember I'd been drinking a lot and my drinking was starting to escalate. And I thought, This is interesting because it feels like it's no longer serving me, but society was telling me that what I should do was drink, you know, that's Mm -hmm. all around us. It's put up on a pedestal. I read your book and I've still got the little um, folded page over. I got to page 73. (laughs) And the reason I closed it was because it frightened me because I was listening to your story about how you were able to give up in this world that you had lived in that revolved around drinking. And then all of a sudden you were living this beautiful life of sobriety. It scared me. And I guess what was happening to me, I was going, well, I don't think I can live that life. I'm going to shut the book because that's not for me. But what it done was planted the seed of hope in my mind. So yeah. that was the first stage. Then what I'd done was I just continued to drink. Um, I Annie Grace's podcast, Sober Not Sorry, came on. I'm sorry, not sober, not sorry, her podcast. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, but I'm sober. What? <laughs> um, this Naked Mind podcast came on in the yeah. car and I it just blew my mind because I was like, this is literally speaking to my heart and this is how I'm feeling. So I began, I'd done 30 days sober, but in that 30 days, I didn't really try and live a different life. I just continued on without drinking. Mm -hmm. Once I got to about 34 days, I jumped back into drinking and whatever. For me, I actually never said I'm going to give up for good. I'm someone that if I ever say something out loud, it is because I actually mean it. So I was never someone to wake up hungover and go, I'm never drinking again. Okay. Those nights of tossing and turning from about 2 a.m. onwards, I would beat myself up, don't get me wrong, and say you need to stop this, you need to get a hold of this. But mm. there was never a commitment of sobriety forever. Then what happened early 2022, I decided I probably needed a little bit of support and I joined a beautiful community called Driverless Sobriety who was founded by Lucy Quick. And that just gave me the tools and the hope that I could live a life of sobriety. So I think it was just that particular morning on the 22nd of Jan, Mm. almost like I'd hit my own rock bottom in the sense that I wasn't losing a family, I wasn't losing my children, I wasn't losing my home, anything like that, but I'd lost my self-belief. And I knew that I wasn't showing up as a person I knew I could be. So Mm. that alcohol was just really, it was no longer serving me. So that sort of got me to that place of, okay, no self-belief left, no confidence. I've been putting on weight. I was starting to feel really anxious and I'm not an anxious person. Mm. I was starting to have depressive thoughts. I wasn't happy with a life that I have. I have the most beautiful life, the most beautiful supportive husband, 
two healthy children, a beautiful home. I was running a business and I was feeling like crap. So Mm. in other words, I was being really ungrateful for what I had right in front of me. And that was another reason for that morning, just to say enough's enough, call yourself out on your own shit and have a crack at sobriety. We'll get back to the conversation in just a sec. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea, the perfect blend of refreshment and sophistication. Elevate your moments with our elevate your moments with exquisite tea infused with natural botanicals. Sip, sparkle, and savor the flavor for true indulgence. Buds and Beads Sparkling Tea, where every bubble tells a story. Cheers to a sip above the rest. And now back to the conversation. I love it. You gave yourself a bit of tough love. And what you've also done is you've really articulated in such a great way, Georgie, that it's a process. So you got my book, you know, um, in 2018, and then you listened to this podcast and it's like you, there were these little sort of deposits along the way and you, I think you gather that strength and you can build it up over time as you ask the questions around your relationship with alcohol, you build up to a point where you can draw a line in the sand and it's not a rock bottom for everybody. It is sometimes really more just of like you get up one day and you're like, do you know what, girlfriend? Enough is enough. And I did a similar thing. I'm a huge planner. So I had to plan myself calling myself out and I set a date that I was going to do that and that's how that worked for me because I know what works for me and I needed a plan and I made a plan. And I I just loved, you know, you came at it from a different sort of way and a different angle where you gathered these things along the way, like you curated the strength to then one day just get up and go, do you know what, Georgie, today's the day. Like we know this has been coming for a long time. We're done with this behavior and we need to sort of find who I am again and and find a love for myself that I can carry through so I can appreciate the beauty of the things that I have in my life. So tell me about the exciting part. What's happened since the last drink? Wow. I tell you what, my self-belief, began to build from that morning. Um, I put myself in some vulnerable situations very early. The first weekend I had to go away, sit on a balcony, look over the ocean. My son was actually going to boarding school. So I actually hit some really heavy emotions very early on in my sobriety. But what it allowed me to do was sit with those emotions to get through it. Then I started to build confidence very quickly within my sobriety. So the confidence built quite quickly, the self-belief built quite quickly. And what I found that I had joy in the smallest of things back. So a beautiful bird, I know it sounds so cliche, but a beautiful bird really brought so much joy to my life because when you're drinking for so long and you're drinking too much alcohol, it zaps you of all the joy in the most, you know, in the smallest of things. And that's what life should be really about, Maz. So I um, put myself in some really tough situations early on, built that confidence. What happened for me in Thrivalist Sobriety, that community I joined, it's such an amazing story and it's a little bit of a pinch me story, Maz. So joined Thrivalist, um, had great success very early on in that community and would off, was offered the chance to mentor. 
Mm. So that also kept me really accountable um, with my own sobriety because I was mentoring these other women. What that done was gave me a real fire to um, become a coach. So I studied with Wellness Coaching Australia and became a certified health and wellness coach. Therefore, got the opportunity to sit on the coaching team within Thrivalist Sobriety, that amazing yeah. community, um, which was just a real pinch me moment. Lucy, the founder, just believed in me, you know, and helped me believe in myself again. And as of this Friday, the exciting part is, Maz, that I have actually bought the business that I started as a member and I'm taking over that um, Thrivalist Sobriety from the beautiful Lucy as of Friday, the 1st of December. So, I know what a story and when I tell it it is amazing and I love telling it Maz because I feel like it gives people like me four years ago that hope that so much can unfold in a life of sobriety and just not to be scared just to have a try embrace it and see what unfolds because for me what has unfolded just still blows my mind, you know. I'm two years down the track and I am just so proud of myself for calling myself out that morning because what it has gifted me is a new business, but it's not really a new business. It's gifted me the power to help others that are in the same situation as I was, you know, two years ago. So there's just so much joy and there's so much excitement. And yeah, it's just a real story of hope for those that listen into this podcast, Maz, and go, these two women are living an amazing life in sobriety and maybe I can try that too. I love it so much, Georgie, because you come from such a genuine place. Like to hear that you're taking over that business is so cool. And to give it, you know, that next iteration of its existence is really exciting. But the thing I love about it is that you you found this community and it really shaped who you are in sobriety. And I think sometimes for a lot of people, it's it's difficult to stay quiet when you understand how powerful a sober life is. And so some people don't want to talk about it. Some people are like, you know what, I don't want to just be the poster person for sobriety. And that's cool. But I feel like I want to shout it from the rooftops. And it sounds like you want to shout it from the rooftops and create spaces and places for people who are asking all of those questions to land and feel held and seen and heard. And I think, you know, I stopped drinking nearly nine years ago and it was so lonely and I felt like a complete nincompoop at the time. I was like, "What? I'm doing this thing that feels very, very rebellious and very odd. And I think now there's less of that and it doesn't mean it's not difficult now, but I feel like there are so many more conversations, platforms, podcasts, there's so much more education. We're just able to, I think, immerse ourselves in sobriety a lot easier now and that's I think why it's got this knock-on effect and it's why it's and I don't know if you've noticed this, but it feels like it's building momentum. It feels like more people are talking about it. You don't have to like search into these deep crevices to find somebody who's just willing to just go, hey, I stopped drinking. And it was a really damn good decision and I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a damn good decision and we are really proud of it. And I think 
so many of us, and I know I done that too, Maz, I related sobriety to a boring life for a few years and it wasn't until I stepped into the life of sobriety that I realised it is far from boring. It is the most liberating, empowering journey to be on. Um, and, yeah, there's just, you know, so much power in that by sharing our stories because it helps other people realise that, hey, they're living a really cool life in sobriety and it's not boring because, unfortunately, society does lead everyone to believe that if you don't drink you are boring so we're trying to change that narrative which is really really cool and when you get into the sober space it really does open up almost for me it felt like I opened up this whole new world of all these amazing sober people that I could connect with um, and yeah that bring hope to other people's lives. I love that so much in your sobriety you have found this purpose like a new purpose for a new season of your life. That is so, I guess, you know, unexpected, right? Like you woke up one day and you went, do you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the behavior. I'm done with the drinking. It's time for a change. And look at what's happened. <laughs> yeah, crazy. That's cool. And I think um, I loved what you said too, Georgie. I think it's really important just to reiterate that, you know, you – um, becoming a coach and not everyone needs to be a coach not everybody needs to be you know there's enough coaches um, but that held you accountable to your sobriety and I think finding something that works for you in the accountability arena is really important so whether that is you know a daily practice or a form of study or a journal or a buddy um, finding a thing or a person or a practice that holds you accountable to your sobriety is really key, especially in those sort of early days where for some people you stop drinking and it feels so liberating and free and amazing and then you hit the skids a little bit a few months in, you're like, oh, the shine wears off. It's like getting a new toy. You're like, oh, the novelty wears off a little bit. When you hit that, sort of season of your sobriety and it's all a process um I think it's really key to have some accountability um built into uh I guess your daily existence so that you can get through that is that what you found the coaching served as a purpose for you for accountability yeah, definitely it did. Um, and I thought I, if I'm sharing this news at sobriety is so amazing and shouting it from the rooftop, then I'm never going to drink again because I couldn't take it back once I started shouting at Maz and I started shouting it through my Instagram very early on um, mm. how amazing sobriety was. And I found that there were so many people reaching out saying, wow, like, you know, if you can do it, you're actually inspiring me to do it as well um but the accountability is just so very important i think that's what community does or finding that other sober person or it's you know like when you say you know you want to have a new exercise routine and you've got that buddy that you're going to meet at 7 a.m in the morning to go for a walk you need that in sobriety as well you need someone there that you can show up for all the time um and when i committed to you know becoming a coach I couldn't go back on that. So I was able then to just hold myself accountable. But it's also, as you said, really important in early sobriety to just have accountability. And sometimes that can be within yourself, like journaling 
as you said, really, really important tool because you can actually journal and then you can look back on that journal when those triggers happen or those cravings happen and you think you're going to drink, your journal can hold you accountable or you can have a friend or you can have a community um, or books or podcasts. There's just so many amazing things out there um, that can help you stay accountable to your sobriety journey because, as you said, Maz, there's some really tough times in early sobriety that you need to get through. But when you can watch others in front of you that have got through those tough times, it gives you that belief that you can do it too. A hundred percent. So one thing I want to, and I'll wrap up on this, Georgie, I want to know, um, cause I find it, I just think it's interesting that you took photos of yourself on that particular morning. And I guess, you know, what purpose did they serve? When you looked at those photos, did you go, this is this is the version of me that I want to distance myself from? Or what, like what sort of emotions did those pictures of yourself at that time after that night conjure up for you? Well, even when you ask that question, Maz, I have tears in my eyes um, and I get a little bit emotional around this because I knew there was something more for me, but for four years being that sober curious person, um, you lose a bit of belief because as much as I wanted to give up alcohol, for some reason I wasn't able to. Mm. And those photos, I just was able to really look at myself and see what alcohol was doing to my body because I knew mentally it was no longer serving me like my self-belief was gone. I was starting to feel anxious, depressive thoughts, all of those things that mm. excessive drinking brings. But the photos were also what it was doing to my body. And for someone that is fit and healthy and was getting her butt up every day at 5.30, alcohol was stripping me of all that. So I was starting to put on weight. I was obviously looking really fluidy because I had so much alcohol in my system all the time. It wasn't mm. giving my body a break for that. So it was a wake-up call and it was a big wake-up call because, as I said, leading into that morning, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore. So I'd just get up, brush my teeth, hair up, exercise gear on, get in the car. There was no looking at myself in the mirror. And that morning I just decided that I needed to. It was time because it was that real reality check of what alcohol was doing to my mind but mm. also what it was doing to my body. Yeah, because it infiltrates all of it, you know, like it – it alcohol it upends your brain chemistry it upends your digestion it messes with your skin with your hormones with your emotions like it's a real one-stop shop for just screwing around with every part of your body isn't it yeah so, mm. so and when we realize that I think that's when it's time to to make a change Mm. Well, Georgie, I hope that every time you walk past a mirror now, you just stop and stare and smile because you should. Thank you, Maz. Yeah, it's um, it's been an amazing journey, that's for sure. And I'm just so proud of myself for that morning, just calling myself out of my own crap. Good on you, babe. Well, thank you so much for sharing your news about Thrivalist. That is very exciting. So congratulations on not only your sobriety, but for the next iteration of Thrivalist. Thanks so much, Maz. I'm super excited um, to take the reins and take Thrivalist in, into the future because I'm definitely very passionate about this space. I love it, babe. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Maz. 
Thanks for listening. Make sure you click follow so you don't miss an episode. New episodes are published every Monday. You can follow us on TikTok at Last Drinks or catch up with me on Instagram at Maz Compton. Stay curious. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.